This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Game of Thrones. Presented for your consideration at the 2021 Primetime and, well, presented for your consideration just to be considered. Uh, it is also the Emmys weekend, but Game of Thrones. <laughs> rushing and i'm right in the pocket <laughs> and this is whiplash and a one and a two and a yeah okay hey bud hey bud gonna talk jazz today oh you're just gonna just drop the topic just like that dropping All the topic right. just like that and now I'm just going to play a little jazz. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be a part of it. Oh, yeah, man. Don't you love jazz? <laughs> I do love jazz. Yes. Do you? Well, no. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'm not sure what you want me to say, you know? I just yeah. get I want you confused. to be honest. Sure. I always want you to be honest. Well, Tim, I guess, what is Ear Buddies doing talking about jazz? This seems sort of off-brand for us. We're usually cutting edge. Uh, talking about what just happened or what's about to happen and kind of helping our Ear Buddies army uh, kind of flounder their way through the yeah. musical news of the day and the, the cultural impacts. Nobody cares about jazz. What are we doing here? It's true that nobody cares about jazz, except for jazz guys. Oh, Yes. The reason we're talking about jazz is to, like, okay, very good point, pal. We do try to uh, heighten our listeners' awareness so that they're better braced for what might come at them in in the world of music or just in the world more broadly. <laughs> uh, Lord knows that we have been ahead of the curve constantly since April. Oh, man. Yeah. This is an episode um, of Warning. We're talking about jazz guys. I should probably tell you something now, just to get it out of the way. I hate jazz. Are you okay? What do you mean you hate jazz? It just means that when I listen to it, I don't like it. Yeah, but it's such a blanket statement you don't like jazz. What are you doing right now? Nothing. Sure. Okay, you know what? That does seem more helpful because I feel like there's, you know, as a regular person, um, a lot of us are more likely to encounter a jazz guy. Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, I, I find it relaxing. It's not relaxing. It's not. It's not. Sidney Bechet shot somebody because they told him he played a wrong note. That's hardly relaxing. Even where I grew up, there was this station called K-Jazz 103. 
And people would just put on that station when they had a cocktail party. Right. And everyone would kind of just talk over it. I know. It was, that's the problem. Okay, okay. So I think that that's part of the problem is that you can't hear it. You know, you have to see it. You have to see what's at stake. I mean, look at these fellas. Look at, look at the, the, the sax player right now. He just hijacked the song. He's on his own trip. Every one of these guys is composing, they're rearranging, they're writing, and they're playing the melody. They're just, and now look, the trumpet player, he's got his own idea. And so it's conflict and it's compromised and it's just, it's new every time. It's brand new every night. It's very, very exciting. Uh, Matt, what's a jazz guy? Let's, oh boy. Let's define yeah. this, uh, this scourge first. Yes, defining terms, important. So... <laughs> Uh, Tim, I would say, because mm-hmm. uh, we do, of course, need to be careful here. Not everyone who listens to or loves or plays jazz is necessarily a jazz guy. Like, sure. I would say, Tim, you like jazz quite a bit, don't you, buddy? Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. You, you used to play in some jazz combos. Heck, maybe you still do. I don't know your life. I don't know what you're up to. Uh but I know that you like jazz and have a real appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. But you're not a jazz guy. I appreciate that you feel that way. I'm glad you say that. I was worried that we would conclude in this episode that I am a jazz guy. Well, there's still time, but... Yeah. So what, why am I not a jazz guy? What, what, what is a jazz guy? A jazz guy, I would say, Tim, is... <laughs> A guy, sometimes a girl, almost always a guy. Pretty much always a guy, (laughs) (laughs) Who loves jazz, but more than that, loves to let you know that he loves jazz. Mm. Uh, Loves to let you know that he gets it, that he gets jazz. He understands it, he respects it, he appreciates it. And that is shorthand for him being... Kind of a cool cat, to use some jazz slang. Sort of a, <laughs> sort of a swinging hep cat. Um, yeah, he's hep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is sort of obnoxious. Uh, mm-hmm. And ladies, ear ladies, I'm looking at you specifically because um, I know that. Well, Tim, I'm sure you and I have both encountered jazz guys at bars and parties and quinceaneras and such but uh <laughs> yeah jazz guys jazz guys just want to kind of impress you yes um and if you're a lady well i am sorry for you <laughs> that's just not fair okay let's see oh well he was a frequent guest on the colgate comedy hour the radio program uh, i don't know what the colgate hour is okay pass Okay, well, I don't know if this is going to help you out at all, but he was also a frequent guest on the Colgate Comedy Hour. He did panels with Paul Julian, the guy who did the voice of the Roadrunner. Beep, beep. Don't you remember? We listened to his whole album that one night I told you you'd never be a good writer because you don't have a curious mind. Time. Ah, damn it. Who was it? Paul Buffano. Paul Buffano. How hard is that? Does that seem right, Tim? Am I, am I on point here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a... Right. Jazz is a big part of his personality. He likely doesn't play jazz. He probably doesn't actually know much about jazz. He probably has a vinyl copy of Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. <laughs> and see, but now here I go. See, now I'm name-dropping jazz. But, 
you, you know what to. I mean, right? Yeah, I got you. It's okay. Yeah, it's a guy who is performatively uh, a fan of of a genre of music that seems tasteful and seems interesting, and so he's leaning into it, like Ryan Gosling in La La Land. Mm. Now there's a jazz guy. That is such a jazz guy. They should have called that movie Jazz Guy. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know, just an idea. It's okay to love it's okay to like and even love jazz, right? I assume. <laughs> well, wrong. Yeah. Trick oh. question. No. <laughs> it's fine. It's cool. Uh jazz is is great and we can I mean, if we want to if we want to, we could talk about jazz a little bit in this episode, but I, I don't really feel the need to. Um, well, well, yeah. You know, Tim, why don't we crack this little walnut open just a bit here? We know what jazz is in general, right? Mm-hmm. And and frankly, I hope everyone listening does because it's hard to explain. And if I make Tim explain it, He's gonna sound like a jazz guy, and <laughs> right. we don't. Please don't put me in that spot. Trying to avoid that, uh, but I will say also: look, you came to this podcast. You. you are the one listening to it, and sort of, in a sense, asking for our opinions. Uh, usually, if you meet a jazz guy, that's it's not it's not how it goes. They're just mm-hmm. kind of telling you, right? Yeah, but that's true. but to that's to crack point. it open a bit, like, what is it? about jazz that makes a jazz guy love it so much and and makes them think that it uh, gives them some sort of clout that they may not otherwise have, right? Like you, there are fellas who love uh, pop music, just top 40 pop, maybe uh, Robin and and Carly Rae Jepsen, right? There are fellas who love rock and roll, um, et cetera, et cetera. Usually, that doesn't become a defining part of their personality. So, what is up with jazz that is like catnip to these dudes Mm. in college or recently graduated with their horn-rimmed spectacles and their little fedoras Mm -hmm. and their one vinyl of Miles Davis's classic album, Kind of Blue? I think even if you are someone for whom uh, pop music or rock and roll is really important, um, and even if it becomes a defining part of your personality, it is somehow not nearly as insufferable as if jazz becomes a defining part of your personality. Mm, that's so the question, and so it must be about well. The tunes, right? It must come down to something, <laughs> something in the music. <laughs> That's right. It must, uh, and it kind of does. So, the thing about jazz is, it was born kind of as a response. I'm simplifying here, but it was born basically as a response to classical music you had talented people playing traditional instruments like saxophones and trumpets 
but just playing them differently suddenly, or pianos, of course, uh, playing them differently and doing different things with harmony and melody and especially improvising. So much of jazz is about uh, making it up as you go along. The rise of jazz was at first a sort of rebellious thing. Now, it's hard to think of anything stuffier than uh, sort of, you know, sweater-wearing jazz guys. <laughs> um, so why, why, has, why the shift in tone? Well, I mean, part of it is because it just got old. Um, and things like rock and roll emerged and things that, you know, younger generations latched on to different things and older generations clung on to things like jazz. So it just became sort of uncool in its own way. There is something, though, about jazz that inspires listeners to gatekeep, though, mm. um, and that, I think, is where the problem really bec- uh, emerges and, and blossoms. Yes. Tim, what you said just there uh, makes me think of a passage from a, a book that I have read and enjoyed. It's called The Joy of Music by Leonard Bernstein. And... Mm. Have you read that book? No, I sure haven't, bud, but you've told me that you've enjoyed it before. Well, that's okay, because what you just said brings to mind this passage that I'm going to read verbatim from a book that was published in 1959, keep in mind. Hmm. He says, I think the key word to all this is the word cool. It means what it implies. Jazz used to advertise itself as hot. Now the heat is off. The jazz player has become a highly serious person. He may even be an intellectual. He tends to wear Ivy League clothes, have a crew cut, or wear horn-rimmed glasses. He may have studied music at a conservatory or a university. This was unthinkable in the old days. And then he goes on to say, you know, now the listeners are also cool. They don't dance. Uh, They just kind of listen. They just kind of really control themselves uh which is strange to our boy leonard considering that jazz is essentially in his words an emotional experience so Mm -hmm. all of that being said is sort of just a a more professional more um leonard bernstein-y sort of recap of what you just said right yeah well i would i would argue that mine was pretty professional too but solid burns by good leonard there (laughs) That's why they called him Bernstein. Um, so, <laughs> but I do, I do want to come here to your point about gatekeeping. Uh, yeah, because that I think that is uh, the hinge upon which the door swings mm-hmm. of jazz. I'm going to stick with that um, that metaphor. Um, I think it worked. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So, and and that's exactly right because with pop in general. And rock in general, uh-huh. uh, it's it's not gate kept 
quite as stringently as jazz is by these jazz guys because these to sure. these jazz guys jazz means something uh more to them than the music i yes. think it, it means well go J- ahead tim well jazz right jazz has become this sort of sacrosanct thing that needs to be protected at all costs the the purity of the genre must be maintained it's it's kind of gross matt what do you know about kenny g well uh i know a bit about him i know that he's got funny hair and uh <laughs> you know that we did an episode jazz. of a podcast a uh, previous podcast about him yes i do remember that let's talk let's talk about kenny g a little bit can we Sure. I mean, Tim, if he fits into the point that we're making, absolutely bring him up. All right. Kenneth Gorlick is his name. He is a purveyor of what we refer to as smooth jazz. What does that mean? Smooth jazz is, is if you ask a real jazz head, a jazz guy, is like jazz for dummies. Jazz for the mindless, for the for the slobbering masses, and if you listen and compare it to more traditional improvisation-focused jazz that we've been hearing leading up to this, I, I bet listener you'll be able to pick out kind of the difference. There's just a higher production value. Everything sounds a little more expensive here. Um. There are things like synthesizers, electronic drums, and instead of playing wild melodic lines that he's making up on the spot, it sounds like Kenny is playing on his saxophone a written melody that he thought of ahead of time, probably wrote down on sheet music, and is sticking to with 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 discipline so it's a it's a different jazz experience but it is still jazz but but it's, it's not <laughs> it's not good enough mm-hmm. for the jazz guys yes uh, in fact, Kenny G is capable of inspiring some really shocking vitriol among jazz guys. I would like to read you some commentary right now, Matt. I am so excited. We're both we both got a book. This is great. What a yeah. great app. <laughs> <laughs> well, this actually comes from a blog. Uh, this is, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you yet who it is, but, um, someone was asked, could you tell us your opinion of Kenny G? It appears that you are less enthusiastic about him and his music. And his answer, I won't read the whole thing, but I, I do feel it's important to, uh, hit some of this quote. 
I first heard him a few years ago playing as a sideman with Jeff Lorber when they opened a concert for my band. My impression was that he was someone who'd spent a fair amount of time listening to the more pop-oriented sax players of that time, but was not really an advanced player even in that style. He had major rhythmic problems, and his harmonic and melodic vocabulary was extremely limited. He basically exhibited only a rudimentary understanding of how to function as a professional soloist in an ensemble. He goes on to say uh, he, could, he could connect to the, quote, basest impulses of the large crowd by deploying his two or three most effective licks, holding long notes and playing fast runs, never mind that there were a lot of harmonic clams in them. Uh, so... A lot of pot wow. shots here. Yeah, that's really mean. A lot of pot shots, uh, just, to, you know, from clearly one jazzer to another. <laughs> I'll give away who this is. It's Pat Metheny, who is uh, a longtime, well-regarded jazz guitarist. And he was asked how he felt about Kenny G's use of Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. Uh, so on a Kenny G album many years ago, like two decades ago, Kenny took What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong and like doodled over it on a saxophone. Of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies. Okay. That's that's. I didn't know Louis would still be in it. Uh, yeah, Louis is still in it. That's nice. <laughs> okay, it's it's nice that you think that, Matt, because some in the jazz community felt that this was a sort of desecration of a sacred place. Yeah, well, it sort of is. <laughs> it's nice, though. <laughs> Let me read a little bit more from Pat Metheny's uh, take. He said, Not long ago, Kenny G put out this track. With this single move, Kenny G became one of the few people on Earth I can say that I really can't use at all as a man for his incredible arrogance to even consider such a thing and as a musician for presuming to share the stage with the single most important figure in our music. Ooh, boy, Pat is mad. This type of musical necrophilia, the technique of overdubbing on the pre-existing tracks of already dead performers, was weird when Natalie Cole did it with her dad on Unforgettable a few years ago. But it was her dad. When Tony Bennett did it with Billie Holiday, it was bizarre. But we're talking about two of the greatest singers of the 20th century. But when Kenny G decided it was appropriate for him to defile the music of a man who is probably the greatest jazz musician 
that has ever lived by spewing his lame-ass, jive, pseudo-bluesy, out-of-tune, noodling, wimped-out, f***ed-up playing all over one of the great Lewis Lewis's tracks, even one of his lesser ones. He did something that I would not have imagined possible. He, in one move, threw his unbelievably pretentious and calloused musical decision to embark on this most cynical of musical paths, all over the graves of all the musicians past and present who've risked their lives by going out there on the road for years and years, developing their own music inspired by the standards of grace that Louis Armstrong brought to every single note he played over an amazing lifetime as a musician. Kenny G has created a new low point in modern culture, something we should all be totally embarrassed about and afraid of. We ignore this at our own peril. And then he goes on and on and on and eventually says, like, if he were to run into Kenny G at a bar, he might punch him. Wow. Oh, Pat. (laughs) So... Tim, what a what a great find! What a perfect uh, what a perfect little thing to read on this ep. Pat, Pat, ladies and gents, is a jazz guy. That is that's gatekeeping, folks. Hubba hubba, that is incredible, Matt. Yeah, is is playing your saxophone over "What a Wonderful World" in great taste? Obviously not. No. Is it um? Is it all those words I just said? Obviously I not. I don't think so. And so. There's no way, Pat. <laughs> Calm down, man. Cool it. No cool one tell it. Pat about sampling. He doesn't. So, <laughs> so that is, to be honest, a pretty standard reaction among jazz heads to Kenny G. Um, Kenny appeals to uh, a broad audience of jazz listeners, people who don't necessarily care about the scholarship of the genre or the history or the pedigree of it. People who just maybe want to have a nice dinner at their house (laughs) and put on a CD of some elegant sounding music. (laughs) Like that's, that's, that's what Kenny G is doing. That's right. And that's, that's fine. That's a great yeah. uh, great venue for it. You know, dim the lights, light a candle, have some lasagna, check out this new <laughs> Kenny G album. I would say that we exclude Kenny from jazz or, you know, from uh, the party of jazz music at our own peril. Uh, yeah, that feels like maybe the worst thing to do. Ultimately, I think the lesson to be learned is even if you think that Kenny G isn't cool, which I think I think I don't yeah. think I don't think he's cool. He's not cool. No, I mean certainly we took issue with some of his uh, his tweet patterns a few years ago. <laughs> But that's what what would you expect from a guy like that? Yeah. You know? It's it's not that big of a deal. And did and did he not and he 
he had that viral video where he was playing his sax on a plane a while ago. And that was kind of yeah, nice. That was kind of nice. Yeah. Was, well, yeah. What what would have happened if Pat, let me just ask, <laughs> got on that plane and started noodling around on his little guitar? Everyone would say, "Who is this guy?" Well, absolutely. <laughs> and Pat would have refused anyway. He would have and he probably would have had some moral dilemma. Well, look, it's it's because Pat refuses to play to the basis instincts of an airplane. Thank you know, you. <laughs> people on an airplane, they just have base instincts. That's basically <laughs> all you're performing for. Kenny G, perfect fit. And that's, perfect. but that's that's it, Tim, like to, let's, let me add. Let me throw in one more little jazz example into our jazz yeah. stew here. Please. The film, the film Whiplash. Yeah, yeah. That uh, it sort of annoyed me. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was a great film. Actually, I liked it a lot. I liked but, it a lot. But I was just like, man, J.K. Simmons. You got to understand. Miles Teller is a good drummer. He's basically yep. he's he's essentially on the beat. What are you doing here? Yeah. But and that is actually a phenomenal example of like <laughs> the way that these jazz guys, whether they play or listen to it, operate, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, JK Simmons in that movie was sort of the uh the terminal jazz guy. Yes. Start counting. 5 6 seven, In 4, five. damn it. Look at me. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now, was I rushing or was I dragging? Uh-huh. Count again. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Rushing or dragging? Rushing. So you do know the difference. Now, are you a rusher or are you a dragger? Or are you going to be on my fucking time? I'm going to be on your time. Truth is, I don't think people understood what it was I was doing at Schaefer. I wasn't there to conduct. Any fucking moron can wave his arms and keep people in tempo. I was there to push people beyond what's expected of them. I believe that is an absolute necessity. Otherwise, we're depriving the world of the next Louis Armstrong, the next Charlie Parker. I told you that story about how Charlie Parker became Charlie Parker, right? Joe Jones threw a symbol at his head. Exactly. Parker's a young kid, pretty good on the sax, gets up to play at a cutting session, then he fucks it up. And Jones nearly decapitates him for it. And he's laughed off stage. Cries himself to sleep that night, but the next morning, what does he do? He practices. And he practices and he practices with one goal in mind, never to be laughed at again. And a year later, he goes back to the Reno and he steps up on that stage and he plays the best motherfucking solo the world has ever heard. So imagine if Jones had just said, well, that's okay, Charlie. That was all right, good job. And Charlie thinks to himself, well, shit, I did do a pretty good job. End of story. No bird. That, to me, is an absolute tragedy. But that's just what the world wants now. I wonder why jazz is dying. 
he was the terrifying logical conclusion of allowing yourself to uh to become a jazz guy yes it had it was fully divorced from the tune if i can say that absolutely right yes. he had he didn't care about caravan the song no uh he cared about just every single technical detail being absolutely perfect and that is the thing about jazz guys uh again whether they if they if you if they play it if they're like pat mm-hmm. uh they're mad at someone appealing to baser instincts and they want to do some really convoluted really over intellectualized version of jazz uh where nobody gets it you know how yeah. many times have have i i don't know about you uh but your buddy's army how many times have you been in a jazz club and, and they're playing and they're just going nuts up there and you're like what is happening right like what who is this for right mm-hmm. that's really the question and the answer i'm sorry to say is it's for them it's for the jazz guys yeah right absolutely it's it's a uh, it's a case for moderation i think It's a case for moderation and acceptance. First, if you're a jazz guy, you need to understand that not everybody is going to be on your level. And no one needs to be on your level. Yeah. It's fine to like Kenny G. It's fine to not like jazz at all. It's fine to go to a jazz club and and say, this means nothing to me. I don't like this. I don't care about it. (laughs) There's also a lot of really, you know, rich excellent music to be found in jazz and it's a it's a deep well of interesting music um for anyone who wants to dive into it i recommend it just make sure you uh keep hanging on to uh to the rope that will allow you to swim back up to the surface because you do not want to get lost down there uh it's very important to maintain uh understand an understanding of the fact that it's a niche world (laughs) and uh that the more you talk about it the less people will like you (laughs) that is it it's a lot like poetry in that sense (laughs) yeah i mean yeah that's it it is that's it i think i think that's important to him because yeah it's uh, we are not writing off jazz as a genre no even you know i mean if you are into it or want to get into it sick go for it but you do not get to be so cool that you know you write something so mean about Kenny G who has never really hurt anybody if you no. think about it <laughs> no so. no pat did way more harm by writing that piece than than Kenny has done in his life exactly yes come on guys take a take a breath take a lap understand uh, that you are a human being and so is everybody else right let's just calm down we could end almost every episode segment by saying, let's just calm down. Yeah, but this time I really mean it. Yeah. <laughs> Ear Buddies will continue in a moment.
This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by... <laughs> Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones! Created and produced by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Presented for your consideration as... Just a great TV show, gang. Hey, why are we not talking about Thrones anymore? Well, we're not talking about Thrones anymore, are we? Look, uh, the Emmys were last night. Lord knows this is us. Yeah. And freaking The Crown and, and Bridgerton or whatever took home all sorts of prizes. But we are, what, two years maybe three years removed from the greatest television sensation of all time, Game of Thrones on HBO, and nary a peep about it. Hey, who cares about Olivia Coleman in The Crown? Who cares about Perry Mason on HBO? <laughs> Bring back Thrones! <laughs> There's, well, okay... Game of Thrones. <laughs> we Why are we yeah, why are we talking about Game of Thrones? Well, the cast as a whole yeah. reached out to Tim and me. Yep. Kit they, and Kit and uh Nicolaj and uh Lena. Lena. Yeah, all of them. All of them. They they <laughs> sent a letter that they had all signed. And it said it looked like the Declaration of Independence, gang. It did. It had the, the it had all the house sigils on it. It was really <laughs> on parchment. Really very cool. cool. Really well done. Very very cool. Open up the seal. It was a wax. Anyway, um, <laughs> so basically, they are well as concerned as as Tim and I are about the fact that nobody is really talking about Game of Thrones anymore, mm -hmm. which is baffling because tim like you said uh the greatest tv sensation of all time well it's not tv it's hbo <laughs> but but thank you yes um, important distinction <laughs> <laughs> but they're, look they're just they're mad and and i mean hurt obviously and yeah. confused as to why uh this has fallen by the wayside i mean Yes, it's been off the air for a while, right? But A, Tim, like you said, not that long. No. And and also, uh, we are still seeing all of these beloved shows constantly being referenced and cropping up on our Twitter timelines and on probably Facebook and all TikTok, you know, uh, The Office out of context. Yeah. Uh, all of these. Where's Game, Game of Thrones out of context? Where is it? Where's Where that are account? the memes? Where are the memes? Um. Is it simply, Matt, that we had a mixed to negative reaction to the last, what, three episodes of the program? Yep. That is, is that why. It? That is it. Folks, there were 73 episodes of that show, and 70 of them were great. Yeah. I mean, I know they're not at the Emmys now, but this, we're talking about a show that got 160 Emmy noms and won, won 59 of them. Now, that's Holy good. Smokes. That's a good show right there, I would say. 
I I mean, yeah, it's uh, the numbers bear it out. It was a very good television program. It remember captured, the Red Wedding. Remember Hodor. Yeah, the whole thing with Hodor, and oh. then all those that sexy guy, all those sexy guys, <laughs> all and, of those sexy guys, and it was so crazy how there was no plot armor, and we all that really yeah. captured the cultural imagination. Uh, Sean Bean just got his head chopped. Yeah, sorry for the spoilers, but if you don't know. You're never going to know, so we're just going to tell you. Yeah. Uh, lots of cool, crazy stuff happened. Ugh. Dragons. The Night King. The Night King. The Those big wolves. Um, oh, 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 oh. Remember when, remember when the guy, the sexy guy? I think we might be talking about the same sexy guy. <laughs> and he goes, I will be your champion. To Tyrion? I do and remember it, that. That was the guy spin- I was talking about. Yeah, and he spins his spear around and then he dies. Yeah, that Amazing. was so that was crazy, right? Crazy. That was so crazy. Why are and we not why are you and I the only ones talking about this anymore? <laughs> well, it's because we were asked to, Tim. Well, that's true. But it's just look. Guys, all we want and when I say we, I mean Tim and me, of course, but especially the entire cast of and, Game of Thrones. And the team at home box office, yes. All we want is for you to just consider <laughs> Game of Thrones once again. <laughs> for your consideration, They, it was a great, great program, and... The fact that we wrote it off entirely and sort of erased it from our cultural imagination simply because the last three episodes weren't very good um, seems harsh. If we're going to pay, what, like 50 mil per ep there mm. towards the end, we need a little bit, we need a little bit of ROI, right? Oh, uh, exactly. What a waste <laughs> otherwise. Holy smokes. I, I mean... That is, that's, it's tough to think about uh, all that CGI budget just going right down the toilet <laughs> and nobody wants to even, nobody even wants to buy the DVDs. Uh, so just think about buying the DVDs, gang. Forget about The Mandalorian. Forget about The Handmaid's Tale. That's been on for like 16 years by now, I think. Yeah. I feel like. Ted Lasso? Uh uh-uh. uh. No. Uh uh-uh. uh. What is Ted may never die? How about. <laughs> how about Thrones instead, baby? Game of Thrones. It's, uh. It's there if you want it. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there, guys. It is right there. You might as well, you know, I guess watch. All of it, but the last three episodes, again, it's still a good show, and it's yeah, just not fair. To, if you need to fanfic the last bit of it, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah, but I just, know I did. That's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's Game of Thrones. It's there if you want it.
Welcome back to Ear Buddies. Hey, Matt. Hey, Tim. Hey, pal. Wanted to just say congrats and happy 25th episode of Ear Buddies. Is it really? Wow. We have come so far. We have not missed a Monday. You know that? I, I, starting out, Tim, I didn't think that uh, we would be able to do that. I didn't think no. we'd have the discipline uh, or the work ethic um, or the desire. Mm-hmm. But we've got a nice little pot on our hands here and uh, 25 good, good eps uh, to, to back that claim up. Darn it, they're all good. <laughs> <laughs> so as we, uh, as we hit this milestone... Um, we want to kind of, uh, pull the curtain back and instead of giving you a, a, a fun, goofy second segment, we'd like to speak directly to you, our listener. And, uh, Matt, what would we like to say? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tim, we know, uh, that there are people out there who listen to us and we have sort of assumed, um, Mm -hmm for a while that it's just close friends and family for the most yep. part. Uh, and I mean, that's how you get any startup off the ground, right? You get your yeah. grandma to invest. You'd tell your cousins about it, you know, spread the word around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much or offer any self congratulations here, <laughs> but we, we have way more listeners than we have friends right huh. now. And <laughs> so what's going on? <laughs> and doggone it, we have a lot of friends. And we've got a lot of friends. So we, <laughs> I think Tim and I would be absolutely pleased as punch mm. if those of you who are not our friends mm-hmm. would show yourselves, come out of the woodwork. Uh, yeah, quit hiding. If you're, because we do, you know, there are, you you guys, you, your buddies, you, the army, you are regular listeners. We know that from the, from the data that we get. And yeah. yet it, we don't know who you are. And I know I would feel not more comfortable, but definitely more excited if I was talking to more of my friends every yes. week, rather than just some faceless numbers in our, in our <laughs> pod data. So, so what we're asking is, uh, we don't want your money. This is not a pledge drive, although this is a not-for-profit podcast. <laughs> uh, all we need you to do is is reach out to us. Is say hello. Is say, hey, I'm listen. I'm out there. I'm. I hear you. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know who you are. We can't find you. So just send us a, a DM, maybe a tweet. Um, I'm not going to give out my phone number, but maybe if we're friends, you can have it. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, probably a tweet is the best way, or you know, a DM is is the best way to do it. Hit us on Twitter at earbuddies underscore pod. We don't have an email address. We don't have a website. No, uh, we're uh, we're a mom and pop pod. Yeah, we have an Instagram that we don't update. Yeah, you can so, check on there, and we'll we'll probably respond in a week or two. Yeah, we'd look we'd look <laughs> at it if you said something. I think, Matt. You know, 
You ever hear the term parasocial relationship? Oh, and how. <laughs> <laughs> and how. We don't want we one of those. those. Yeah, we, we want a real, a real relationship with every one of our listeners. Every dang listener, we want to be able to say, oh, yeah, Kevin? Yeah, that guy, he's great. He's from Ohio. Uh, yeah. And he's majoring in anthropology. <laughs> That's so cool. Thanks, Kevin. And then and then Kevin, we can do a segment for you. We can we can speak right to Kevin. Yeah, that's what we want. So that's all we have to say is just please hit us up at earbuddies underscore pod. Send us a little message. Say that you hear us and tell us what your favorite ep was. <laughs> Or your least favorite app. Yeah. Or, you know, pitch some ideas. We can collab. That would be fine. <laughs> I don't know. I'll ask If him. you'd like to replace one of us as a host. Yeah, if you think make, you got what it takes, you... Make your case. You let us know. We're not against it. <laughs> Send in audition tapes. That's fine. You know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> just looking for some, some more buddies. That's all, really. We just want more buddies. Uh, and that's all, bud. Wow. 25 eps and hmm. at least 25 more to come. How many do you think we'll do before we actually pull the plug? Mm, I think 175. Wow. Yeah, that's shooting f- for the moon there. Big number. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's a lot to talk about, and we're friends. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's a podcast, baby. <laughs> Talk to you later, pal. Talk to you later, buddy.